Well, we're going to be over in the, the Gospel of Luke. We're winding down on the number of parables we will be covering. There are a lot of uh, short ones, and some of them we've covered, and not all of them have we, but uh, we're, we're coming here to the end. There's still a few more that are out there to go. It seems that Matthew and Luke have most of the parables. Mark has about two or three. And uh, John really doesn't have too many things in there at all that we would consider to be parables, but could be uh, looked at as, as some. We're going to be over in Luke chapter 17 this evening. W.B. Hinson liked to tell a story of a cobbler who lived in Eidenberg. And one day the newly installed minister of the shoemaker's church made his first call at the shoe shop. As the pastor talked, he used some lofty theological language and the cobbler replied with understanding and deep spiritual insight that left the preacher just absolutely astonished. He said, you should not be cobbling stones. A man with such thoughts and such a manner of expressing those thoughts should not be doing secular work. The cobbler was quick to reply, sir, take that back. Take what back? That I am doing secular work. Do you see that pair of shoes? They belong to Widow Smith's son. Her husband died last summer. She is supported by her boy who keeps a roof over their heads by working outdoors every day. Bad weather is coming. The Lord said to me, Will you cobble Widow Smith's boy's shoes so he won't catch cold come down sick this winter? And I said, I will. Now you preach sermons under God's direction, I trust, and I will cobble the boy's shoes under God's direction. One day when the rewards are given out, he will say to you and me in the same sentence, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, we know that God has given us direction that if we see our brother out in the cold, hungry, we'll get over there and take care of him. That there are things that we are to do and that all of it is in service to our Lord. We're going to be looking at some of these things here this evening as we look at Luke chapter 17. Over in verse 5, the disciples have a request. They said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, so the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say that this mulberry tree be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunk. And afterward, you may eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise... You, when you have done all those things which are commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Interesting parable that Jesus does for, for this particular request. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. Well, what does He mean by... They, they come in there and they're looking at the quantity of faith and they're saying, Increase it. Make it bigger. Make it bigger. Make it larger. Give us more. So what should we do with that? Should we, should we have our faith increased? Or how should we have our faith increased? When we look at, at his parable, if you have faith as a mustard seed, I'm sorry, going back to the other one here. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? What he's talking about is there is a, 
Luke chapter 17, verse 5 through 10. <laughs> Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. They're looking at the quantity of faith and they're saying we need more, more faith than what we have. We need more. How many of us will look at, look at something and we tend to look at the quantity of, of a thing? We don't take money. How many of you want better quality money? <laughs> whether the one is wrinkled or whether the one is crisp, is it not worth $1? If the $10 bill is crinkled or whether it's crisp, is it not worth $10? So we don't necessarily want bitter money. We want more. We want more money. Of course, you take it over to the bank and you deposit it. All, they, all that you know there is that you have $10, $20, $100. It doesn't say wrinkled or straightened. And so we're not always focusing on the, the quality. We're focused like the disciples are on the quantity. And they come up to, to, them, to Jesus and they say, increase our faith. But Jesus answered them, says, you have faith as a mustard seed. You can say that a mulberry tree be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. If you have just a little bit, it's not the amount that's so important. It's how good it is. It's how good that, that, that uh, quality of the thing is. And this is something we have to get hold of. Too often times we look at, at getting things and sometimes we, we just, well, I just need to have that thing and so we just get something cheap. Right? Have you ever been in that position where you would just go out there and get something cheap? And you know, there's always cheap substitutes out there. I remember a long time ago, way before I was married, I went out and looked for one of those uh, stereo receivers, those amplifier things. You know, and all it does is receive radio signals and, and it amplifies stuff. That's all that it does. It doesn't uh, play CDs. It doesn't play tapes. It doesn't do anything else. All it does is it makes whatever comes in louder. And so you can go out there and you can find, and uh, you know, forgive me if you like these brands, but you can go buy the cheap brands, the Pioneers and the Sonys and the uh, JVCs and the stuff like that. Those are the cheap brands. They are not the good brands. Sony is a cheap brand. It is not a good brand. So if you go, so I went on into this one particular audio store and I sat on down with them and, they, and I was looking at the Sonys and the Pioneers and the JVCs and so forth. And, and you know, they... They're, they're not cheap, but the salesman, he said, well, are you sure you want one of those? I said, I don't know. Tell me. And so he took me on over to a couple other places, the Hardon, what's the other, Hardon Cordon, that, that one, and uh, Ankyo, and there was a third one. There were three of these, these brands, and he was pointing to one of them. He says, now this is the Rolls Royce, and this is the Mercedes. And so, you know, the Rolls Royce was good. But that was a lot of money. So I went with the Mercedes. <laughs> but I didn't go with the, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the, the Ford, the GMC, and the Chrysler. <laughs> I didn't go with the, the lower end stuff. I went home with an Ankyo. And do you know this day I still have that same Ankyo receiver in my house. And it still works as good as the day I got it. Now, I found out my, my folks, they got one of those same ones uh, independently from me. And it's still working for them. And I was just over at our neighbor's house, and they were asking me to come in and fix up some stuff. They had some, uh, some audio stuff uh, delivered. And, um, you know, they had the guys come in from the store, and they hooked it up. But they asked me to come on over because they didn't think it was hooked up right. <laughs> so I went on over there, and we pulled all the wires out, and we switched them all around, and we got them all going good. And I uh, noticed his, re his receiver. 
was the same one in Ankyo. I said, how long you had that? So he told me, he said, he sure enough had that a long time. So you see, I could have probably bought three Sonys in the lifespan of one Ankyo and spent more money. But I would have had three of them. But quality or quantity is not always something that we, we want to have. Getting one thing and having it last is something so much better, isn't it? Just having that thing keep on going and, and do it. Plus, it did a better job at what it does than any of the other ones ever would have. It just was a better, uh, a better... Now, I don't have the ear for it. My father has an ear for all that sort of stuff. He can, he can hear when something's slightly off. I don't. I just enjoy the, the music, you know. It's, I, don't, I can't tell all the difference between that, but it, it's still going. We still have it plugged on in there and it's still working its way. But we get like the disciples and we get focused on to the, a number of friends. You know, we're, we're, some people look at how many friends do you have? We wonder how many. I, know, I want thousands of friends. Well, some people like to have hundreds and thousands of friends and some people like to have just a few. But in those few, they are really good quality friends. Well, which one gets more satisfaction? What the disciples were, were after was how much faith we have. We can just get more, but we can do more. And he's saying, you're focused on the wrong thing. What you have to focus on is getting the quality of that faith that you have. Because oh, if you just have a little bit, but it's good faith, boy, you can do a whole lot of stuff with it. You can get a whole lot of things done. So that's what we need to focus on. That's where the disciples were at. We need to make sure we get ourselves into the area that Jesus was talking about. If you have faith as a mustard seed or a very small quantity, you can say that this mulberry tree be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. But he will not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterwards you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty. Again here, the focus was our faith. The disciples saw faith as a quantity issue. They wanted Jesus to give them more. Just like us, we want Jesus just to just give me more. If I need more faith to get a thing done, God just give me more. And we'd just be a whole lot easier. Now, if we see that we're short on money, we would just rather have God give us more money. Isn't that easier? To God just give me more money. If you just give me more money, all this goes away. I don't have that problem anymore. But Jesus saw faith as a quality issue. So faith increases as a seed does. What would the seed do? First off, you know, seed, it'll put down some roots. There's soil and nutrients that it gains from. There's water, sun, the location. You know, some seeds do well in one location. Other seeds do well in another. You all know you've planted plants in the front of the house. They didn't do so well. You planted them in the back of the house. They did better. So location and protection. So faith increases as a seed, but you've got to have all the things going on for it. There needs to be some roots for that seed. There needs to be soil and nutrients. There needs to be water. There needs to be sun. There needs to be location. There needs to be protection in order to get that seed to go. You have to have all those things going on. Just because you plant seed and give it plenty of water doesn't mean it's going to grow. 
You've got to make sure that all the things are in place with that. And your faith is the same way. We've got to make sure that we, we get our faith in place and we give it good quality. That it's a good quality seed that's growing. Too many times we're feeding off of stuff that's not helping our faith grow. It's not word things. There are other things and that cause your faith to, to stumble. You can listen to Charles Caps, and you can listen to Fred Price and you can listen to all these guys. But then if you still, when the doctor says you're going to die, well, I guess that's it. Has it really done you any good? No, we've got to get in there and, and, med- and meditate on the Word of God and let it have a quality of faith on the inside of us. And that quality of faith isn't going to be soon shaken. So that when the economist comes out and says thus, or the newspaper comes out and says stuff about your company, and it doesn't sound good, your faith is solid. Your faith is good. It's a good quality faith. It's not going to just, you know, go away. Back when we used to paint houses. How many of you all remember the days when you used to paint houses? Don't paint them anymore. Now you have uh, vinyl siding. And then they put caps over the wind, windowsills. So you don't have to paint the windowsills anymore. And then they have vinyl windows. So you don't have to paint the, the window itself anymore. So everything on it's all protected. You don't have to paint it. But back when you used to have to paint it all, if you've got a good quality paint and put that out on there, that, that paint protected it for, for quite some time. But you didn't want to get a cheap paint because you could get a cheap paint and save $5 on the gallon and be doing it all again in half the time. Mm-hmm. That's just not a, not a whole lot of fun. Quality is worth spending some extra money for. And we need to make sure that we, we understand that. Quality faith is worth putting our time into. It's worth investing time in. It's worth making sure that the seed we focus on, the word that we put on the inside of us, is good quality word that it meets up with the standard of the Word of God and that when people give us a contrary report, when temptation tries to take us in a different way, we're not willing to go. I've got a good quality Word on the inside of me. That seed is taking root and I'm not going to be detoured one way or the other. You give your faith all that it needs to, to grow, but you focus on the quality of that faith. So without quality, rewards could be lost. Hey, we don't want to lose our rewards, do we? Let's, let's hang on to that. Keep that quality of your faith up. Don't let it go down. He gets in to say this. Well, here, and which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he, when he comes in from the field, come in at once and sit down and eat. How many of you, if you had a servant, this is a person, uh, we'll just say an employee, in the house, he worked at the house and he came in after working all day out in the fields and he comes into the house. How many of you masters of the house would say, oh, servant, you've done such good work for me today. Come on in. What can I get you to drink? What can I get you to eat? No, what's the, what's the mentality of the master of the house? Well, when you come on in, you can fix yourself something to eat, sure, but you first off get dinner ready for the household. You get stuff ready for the household and then you can sit on down and have something to eat. And afterwards, he doesn't go around and say, oh, thank you so much for putting all that effort out. It's expected of him. Now, certainly we've never gotten that place. We've never gotten to the place at work where when we do our job, we expect to be thanked for it. Right? We just do our job and after we get done, we say, oh, I did my job. No one has to say thank you to me. No one has to appreciate anything that I did. I just did my job. No, we sometimes get that attitude that says, you know what, someone ought to thank. Where is somebody over here? Don't you see what I just did? I worked hard all day. I found this problem. I spotted this thing. I saved you guys some money. No, thank you. Nothing. 
And we can sometimes get focused on it. But you did your job. That was your job. <laughs> this is nothing special. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what they hired you for. They brought you in because you had that expertise. But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterwards you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Sometimes it is easy for us to get the idea that God should appreciate me. God is lucky to have me on the team. God, you don't know how much... Most people wouldn't endure all this stuff. Most people would have given up. Most people would have gotten mad. Most people would have had an attitude. Not me. No, I'm here enduring all this stuff. I'm, look what I'm doing for you. Look how ungrateful all those people are, but I'm here doing this for you. I'm serving you. And that attitude can get in. And what he's saying is, no, don't have that. And he's tying this directly into the quality of your faith. If you allow that kind of an attitude to come in, the quality of your faith is down. You're, you do not have good quality faith going on, on the inside of you. Something is not right. Now, quality faith, you, you, t you look at it. How many of y'all been over at our house to look at the pool? Water look good? We had a repairman came on by uh, to help me out with something with the pump because the pump wouldn't. We started to pump up this year and the pump didn't go. The pump just sat there. Last year, before, I had to take the whole pump apart. Took the whole pump apart. Got it all big, cleaned up, put it back together again, and the pump ran. Pump ran for the whole summer. So I took some precautions to make sure that wouldn't happen again this year. Plugged the pump in. Got it all ready to go. The pump didn't go. But this year I couldn't take the pump apart. It wouldn't come apart. So I had to call in somebody to help me come in and take it apart. And they were banging around on it. They, they banged around on stuff. I would have been afraid. I would have busted it up. But they, they banged it around and they, they pulled it out and said, Now you see these screws? We're going to have to replace these screws. He said, We'll order some in for you. We'll have to replace them. And they're all rusted out. He said, That stainless steel screw is rusting out. It means your water quality isn't good. I said, well, I tested that all the time. And uh, so he's, he looked at the stuff I was using. He says, oh, that's why. He says, you don't ever use that kind of stuff. You want to use a different kind of thing. And so he, he had an assist, assistant with him. He says, go over there and test out his water. And so he tested out his water. And he tested out the first thing, and it tested out just fine. Right where it was supposed to be. Tested out the second thing, tested out just fine. Right where it's supposed to be. Tested out the third thing, tested out just fine. Right where it's supposed to be. Tested out the fourth thing, tested out just fine. Right where it's supposed to be. Got to the final thing, the only thing that was slightly off inside the... Uh, and this is before we even opened the pool. The pool hasn't been treated. Yeah, I put a few little chemicals in there. He got down to one thing. He says, well, you're a little bit acid on the water. I says, well, I know that, but I just filled it up. The, we had the cover in the pool. Took all that rainwater. We had a big rain and pumped it all into the pool. And just figured I'd up the, the pool because the rain that comes down is a little more acid. I said, but uh, that's all I did. I just had to, to change that out. Everything else tested out wise fine, so I still don't know why the water quality was bad enough to, to go after because they did with their high-tech test kit came out just as uh, same as my other thing did. But you can look at water, pool water, other kind of water, and look at it. It looks good. doesn't look like it's bad. doesn't look like anything's wrong. But then you, you find some things that it has an effect on, you can see the effect of it. Our faith can have become tainted and be causing problems in our life and we don't even realize it because it looks good. Looks good to everybody else. We got to make sure that we don't have this come in. So if you allow this attitude to come in, that oh, God, I am a special servant for you. 
Most people wouldn't endure all this. Most people wouldn't be this, this diligent. Most people wouldn't come in from the fields and be making dinner. <laughs> we could be saying all these kind of things. And you know, the devil's always right there putting stuff in your head, telling you why you are so much better than anyone else and why everyone else is not as good as you. And if you allow those things to come in, he is tying that directly to the fact that the quality of your faith is down. Now see, that's the, that's the master pool guy, so to speak. Telling you your water quality isn't good. <laughs> you got to listen to that. Don't be going over there telling the master pool guy something different. This is the, this is the master. And he's saying, if you have this attitude on the inside of you, your faith has a problem. There's a quality. It doesn't matter how much faith you have, you got bad faith. It's mixed up with stuff. It's mixed up with something. Something that's not good. We've got to make sure the focus of our service is towards Him. The focus of our faith needs to be on the quality of the faith. The focus of our service needs to be on Him. Some people want more faith to get more rewards. Anybody in, the, in that spot? I want more rewards. When I get on the other side, I want more rewards. I need more faith to get more rewards, so I want more faith. And that's their main motivation for it. But we've lost sight of what God wants us to be doing. Again, let's read the parable. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper? Now, he is not saying that there is a problem with God for not patting you on the back. He's saying this is normal. This should be the way it is. How many of you have asked God, God, give me a dream or vision that I'm doing okay? I mean, God, come on. I need an angel to show up tell me I'm doing okay. And what he is saying, this is, this is Jesus saying it. He's saying it's not the master's job to get in there and pat you on the back all the time. Hey, you did a good job out there in the field. Hey, thanks for coming in and making my supper. I really appreciate it. It's not the master's job. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't you like it if it was? I mean, I think we've all one time or another gotten discouraged and just wanted to say, Oh, God, just have me, give me a dream. Give me a vision. Give me something that says I'm doing a good job. And what he says is, what's your job? Go out in the field and plow. Did you go out in the field and plow? Yes, sir. Did you get fields? Did you get a lot of fields plowed? Yes, I got a lot of fields plowed. Did you come in and make dinner for the master? Yes, I came in and made dinner for the master. Got him some to drink. Well, then what do you need anybody to tell you for? You did your job. <laughs> See, we don't want that. We want somebody to come over and treat us special. I mean, if he's counting the hairs on our heads, surely he can pat me on the back. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Sir, what's the big deal? He's sitting there counting my hair anyway. Just pat me on the back a little bit. Just let me know. Yeah, just take a little bit of time here and, you know, and... Let me know I'm doing okay. But see, if we have that come in, our attitude has been shifted and it's gotten wrong. And what he says here is the quality of our faith is off. It's tainted. Don't be having that attitude. Quality faith, we go out and we do what God said to do and we don't think twice about it. We don't come back in and say, oh, I need to be patted on the back. We are faithful at doing what He has said to do. Some people, well, as we said, some people want more faith to get more rewards. Some people want less faith to get less responsibility. <laughs> I don't want any faith at all. I don't want to be responsible. 
I don't want to have any of that go on and, uh, one bit. I was talking to uh, the guys at the pro desk over at Home Depot. And uh, we're all on a first-name basis over there, and we get to talk about a lot of the inner goings-on at, at our local Home Depot. And uh, they were talking about lot attendants, and the guy who was out there, he says, yeah, they took him from there, and, and they asked him to come in and fill in on one of the parts in the stores. And he was doing that for a while, and then he asked to go back out to the parking lot. <laughs> he said, there's less responsibility out there. <laughs> I'm not responsible for as much. I'd rather just be out in the parking lot and move the carts and help load people into the car and then go home afterwards. <laughs> Some people just don't want the responsibility. They just rather not have all that. And then there's other people who want the responsibility that are looking for it. That are saying, oh, give, give me the responsibility. You know, so when I was over at Ken's Pizza and they wanted to give me a key, yeah, give me a key. I'll take a key. <laughs> Whatever they wanted me to do, yeah, I'll do it. I didn't mind the responsibility. And some people have that attitude. I'm, we don't care. We, we want responsibility. And other people said, nope, nope. Don't want it at all. So those are the attitudes that you have out there. In this parable, Jesus teaches us that our responsibilities are based on what is commanded. So whether we have more faith or less faith, the, the same things are still commanded. Whether I understand that I have those responsibilities or not, I still have the responsibilities. These are the things that are commanded. To go out in the field, if I am a servant whose job is to go out in the field and plow, whether I get that command every single day to go out in the field and plow, it don't matter. This is still my, my job, is to go out into the field and to plow. And then to come in and make dinner. Now some days I may feel like it, and some days I may not. But the days that I don't feel like it, it doesn't mean that it's not my responsibility. It is my responsibility. So if God has delegated responsibilities to us in His kingdom, we have to first off make sure we're not looking around for a pat in the back from God. We're not looking on a pat in the back from the other people we're serving. And we don't take days off. We keep doing what He commanded. So when God says, love the brethren, we don't take days off. We love the brethren. Every single day. When God says, forgive, what do we do? Forgive. Even when I'm not in the mood to. Even when I don't feel like it. When God says, don't be angry. Does He mean when you're in a good mood? I mean, He doesn't mean that. He means when He says, don't get angry. He means good mood, bad mood. I don't care what kind of mood you are. This is the way that it is. Because if you were at work and you have jobs to do and you didn't show up and, you come and they call you up on the phone and say, how come you're not here? Well, I'm just not in a good mood today. <laughs> That's not going to wash, is it? You may, uh, you may not have a job to report to the day after. That, that can uh, certainly uh, impede your, your work service. We have responsibilities from God. Whether I find out about them, whether I pursue them, makes no difference. The responsibilities are there. The commandments are there. And I have a responsibility as a Christian to find out what am I supposed to do. I'm going to go out there and do it. And I'm going to be faithful doing it. And whether anybody pats me on the back, whether God pats me on the back, whether I have an angelic visitation or a dream in the middle of the night, I will do it until the day that I die. I will keep going until God shows me to do something else. I'm going to be faithful. And you just keep being faithful. You just keep on going. Remember the parable we looked at last week? The guy who came into a windfall of money. And he thought that windfall meant I don't have to do anything anymore. I can take care of all my needs. 
No, just because you get a windfall of money, just because things come to you, doesn't mean you get to take off time from serving God. You may be able to take off time from working. <laughs> Glory to God for that. But you don't get to have time taken off from serving God. Whatever your responsibilities are to do for God before are still your responsibilities to do for God now. It doesn't change. God wants us to be faithful. And He says, this is expected. When the guy comes in, he's worked all day in the field, he comes in and makes a dinner and then gets them to drink for the boss. This is expected. This is what's supposed to happen on a day in and day out basis because that's his job. That's his role as a servant in the house. We're servants in the house. We have to stop looking at ourselves as, oh, I am so good. I am so high and I am so mighty. God is lucky to have one like me. He's lucky I've grown up the way that I have and I am diligent with the things of God. No. He says, you've got to look at yourself. This is Jesus saying this. Oh, what a, what a servant I am. How's, how's he phrase it exactly? Let's go back to that again. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commended, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. It's my duty to forgive people. It's my duty to serve people. It's my duty to help them. It's my duty to minister to them. It's my duty to do what God has told me to do. I'm not looking to be thanked by them. I'm not looking to be thanked by God. It's my duty. And the amount of faithfulness we have is reflected in our attitude as we're doing it. And it shapes the quality of your faith. So in this parable, Jesus teaches us that our responsibilities are based on what is commanded. And our rewards are based on our faithfulness, not our faith. In this parable, Jesus teaches us that our responsibilities are based on what is commanded. Whatever Jesus has commanded us to do, that's our responsibility. Doesn't matter if brother or sister so-and-so doesn't do it. Doesn't matter if brother or sister so-and-so doesn't know that they should do it. All that matters is this is the responsibility from what is commanded in the Word of God. I have that light. I understand that's the responsibility. I'm going to go out there and do it. Our rewards are based on our faithfulness, not our faith. How faithful have you been? That we want to we want to look at oh look at all this great faith I have. Look at how much faith I have. I should get rewarded for that. No, he says, How faithful have you been? How faithful have you been with what you're supposed to be doing? That's what he's looking at. Do you come in from the fields every day looking for a pat in the back? Do you come in from the fields once a week looking for a pat in the back? Not supposed to be doing it. And that'll mess with your faithfulness because as soon how many of y'all know, as soon as you get that attitude in there that somebody ought to be thanking me. And y'all know no one does. Especially when that thought comes to you. Somebody ought to be thanking me. No one does. No one comes up and says, thank you. They don't do it. And then we get mad. And then it begins to detract from how we're doing it. Maybe we go out into the field a little later and come in a little earlier. Well, if he's expecting me to make dinner, I'm not working until five. I'm going to quit at four. <laughs> well, what was agreed upon? What was supposed to be happening here? Faithfulness is what Jesus is turning this over to. Faith is merely a tool given to fulfill the commands of service to God. That's all that it is. Faith 
is merely a tool given to fulfill the commands of service to God. That's all that, it, that's all that faith needs to be. We use our faith to be obedient because faith is just having the confidence that whatever God said to do, I should do it. That if I do it, it works. That this happens. That's what faith is. But I continue to be faithful with it, continue to be faithful with it, continue to be faithful with it. And God rewards faithfulness. That's what He's out to reward. He's looking for those that are faithful. For those who keep it up. Who don't keep looking around for that pat in the back. You know, we all like that though, don't we? I mean, we all do. I, I love a pat in the back. Good pat in the back. I told you that story before. We were over there at Ken's Pizza. And we had that t- period of time where our manager got booted. Kicked out. He's, he's running drug deals behind the, uh, behind the shop. And doing some other stuff that I won't tell you about. And they got, he got caught doing all this stuff. And so he was out. We came in one day and he was gone. And the area general manager was there. Well, he's an area general manager. He can't sit around and manage the store. So we managed our own store. We had no manager. We had no supervisor. We had an area general manager who stopped in a couple of times a week. And so um, I was still a newcomer. I was only in there about three, four months. And we had other guys that were in there for a long time. But, you know, we, we were all hard. They had more hard workers in this Ken's Pizza than I've ever been surrounded with in my entire life in one place. Like there's just guys that just would just work so hard and sweat and push and go. Just all of them. And so we all had these attitudes about it. And so the, we had an uh, inspection coming up. And the area general manager was going to run. It was, it was just to his, do his time to come on by. And so we had the waitresses scraping gum off the bottoms of the tables. We had the waiters out. We were pulling cushions out of the tables. And we were cleaning the areas underneath the cushions. We pulled desks out and we cleaned behind the desks. We crawled under the ovens and we scrubbed the floor. We scrubbed the wall behind the ovens. We pulled out the make table. We pulled out the cutting table. We pulled apart the refrigerator and cleaned every speck in there that we could get hold of. We cleaned the shelves. We cleaned everything. And when the area general manager came in, we did not wait for him to pat us on the back and say, what a good job. You Look how clean this store is. We took him on a tour. And so as he was out there looking at the uh, restaurant area where the customers sit, uh, one of us would get underneath and say, Tony, will you look at this? There is no gum underneath this table. (laughs) And then one of us would just accidentally knock the cushion off. Will you look at that? There's not a single crumb underneath this cushion. Nothing. And when he's in the back room, we would accidentally move whole desks away from the wall. Look at that wall behind. There is no sauce spilled on that wall. There's nothing on that. There's nothing on the floor here. It is a perfectly clean floor. And we're just having this conversation back and forth between us and all the other employees. And he just happens to be around. He's laughing at this point. He's just having a good old time with it. But we didn't wait to be patted on the back. We went out there and patted ourselves on the back. (laughs) We all like to have that going on, don't we? Because we get disappointed if we do all that. I mean, we would have been disappointed if we did all that and made this whole fo- all these folks work so hard and, uh, and they don't even notice it. They don't even notice it. So we, we made sure that they did. We had fun doing it. But, oh, we've got to get that attitude out. Understand, this is, a, this is a snare from the enemy. He will sow inside of you. Someone needs to notice what you've done. Someone needs to pat you on the back for what you've done. God should have a nighttime vision. Nighttime dream. 
and tell you what a good job you have done. An angel should show up. I mean, they got all thousands of angels all over the place. One of them ought to take out five minutes and come over here and tell you how good of a job that you have done. Right? I mean, come on. They went over there and they talked to Mary. They, they talked to Paul. How much better have you been than Paul was back there killing Christians? No, we, we get that attitude. And as soon as you let that in, it will erode your faith. It will make your faith weaker. It will make your faith of less quality. And he says, don't let it happen. Don't let that attitude come in. Stay true. Faith is merely a tool given to fulfill the commands of service to God. And there's the focus of our walk. Now, we are called to be sons and not servants. That's our calling. But he, in this example, he gives one of the servant. We have to also understand we are servants of the Most High God, even though we're called to be sons. So as such, we must be sons of service, not sons of selfish ambition. We must be sons of service, not sons of selfish ambition. We cannot get the notion that I must be noticed. I must be recognized. I must be rewarded. I must be set aside as someone special. We are sons of service to God, not sons of selfish ambition. I am not here to see how many wards I can collect for myself. I am here to serve God. And God will reward the faithful. But part of that faithfulness is having the right attitude. Make sure you maintain it. Don't let that wrong attitude get in. Just always be comparing yourself to that servant. Do I come in from the field after working hard all day and expect, you know what? Maybe the master of the house, maybe he'll make me dinner today. And I get myself all worked up out there in the field. I'm plowing, I'm plowing, I'm plowing, thinking the whole time, you know what? May, this ought to be, this would be a good day for the master of the house to show me that he appreciates me and make me dinner. And we get on in there and the dinner's not there. And the master of the house knows nothing about what's going on. He just thinks today's a normal day like every other day. See, don't, don't let that attitude get in on you. We are called to be sons of service, not sons of selfish ambition. In the parable of the prodigal son, there were two sons. The first son was selfish and the second son was serving, wasn't he? Wasn't he still staying home serving even though the other son had gone on away? But neither had their heart right. The first son expected his reward. Didn't he? The second son expected his reward and a thank you. He not only wanted his reward, he wanted his dad to say thank you. Thank you for serving me all these years. He wanted him to kill the fattened calf and just say thank you son. But this, this son comes home after spending all your money on wild living. At least that's what his opinion of it all was. And you kill the fatted calf for him and you do all this. You say thank you for coming home. But you don't thank me for coming in from the field. Working all day. You don't thank me for my faithfulness. And Jesus says, that, that's not our attitude. You got a wrong attitude. We are not, not seeing God in the right role here. We're kind of moving ourselves over God. So develop quality faith so that you lose neither the reward or the appreciation of the Father. Don't lose the reward. You know, you could be faithful. Oh, you could be faithful for years. Going out in the field, plowing, doing whatever you had to do out in the field, and coming in, and then making the master a good meal. And then all of a sudden, after years of service, just decide, you know what? I am tired of this. One day, he could have made me something. 
And what would happen to all those years of service if you come in with that kind of an attitude and start barking off at the master of the house? Don't lose your reward. Stay faithful. You're not staying faithful because we expect a big thank you in the end. You're staying faithful because you are a faithful servant. That's how we have to be. You are a faithful servant. Develop quality faith so that you lose neither the reward or the appreciation of the Father. In Luke chapter 19, verse 16, then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, or well done, good and faithful servant, depending upon your translation. Because you were faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. Well done, good servant, or well done, good and faithful servant. Because you were faithful. Because you were faithful. What's the reason he was put over ten cities? Because he was faithful. Faithful people don't take time off from being faithful. Just like the spouse. You know, two people get married, they don't commit to be faithful 363 days out of the year. That won't, even if you want to far as and say, I'll be faithful 364 days out of the year. What's the focus of the other spouse going to be? On the one. On the one. What, what, what are you doing on that day? <laughs> what happens on that one day? We're not focused on the 364 days that you're faithful. We focus immediately on the one day you're, you're telling me you're not going to be faithful. What are you going to do on that day? <laughs> but we want God to be focused on our 364 days of faithfulness, not the one day we took off. <laughs> no, we've got to be faithful all the time. And we're faithful... Not because we try to be. We're faithful because we're faithful servants. Because His Word has come in us and He has changed us and has made us into faithful servants. I am a faithful servant of God. I'm a faithful servant of God and I'm faithful to do the things He commanded because I am faithful. But oh, the devil hates faithful people. He wants you to take a day off here and there. He wants to come on in and sow seeds. Been working hard for God. You should take some time off. Don't serve God so faithfully. You've been doing what He commanded. Go off and you know, find out what happens when you don't. Find out what happens, what it's like when you... You know, you've, you've kept yourself away from all these things. Well, just find out what it's like if you do do all those things. No, you stay faithful. You just stay faithful. Be faithful to God. Because you are a faithful person. I don't try to be faithful. I am faithful. And therefore, I act faithfully. And that's how I have to look at myself. I am a faithful person. I will be faithful today. I will be faithful tomorrow. I will be faithful the next day. I'll be faithful the day after that. I'll keep being faithful. Even if God doesn't show up in the midnight hours and pat me on the back and say, Well done did a good job. Way to go. I know nobody else appreciates you, but I just want to let you know I do. <laughs> that may happen to you. And if it does, great. But you cannot count on it. You cannot look for it. You cannot sit there and say, this should happen. But if God does, glory to God. Of course, what Brother Hagin would always tell us, he said, the more sure... The revelation, the heart of the opposition. 
I'll tell you what, he told us that when I was in school and he, he was doggone right on that one. <laughs> he used to tell us that I rejoice when it's just a still small voice that leads me to go in a certain direction. Because there won't be much opposition to that at all. But he said, you get one of those visions. Oh, huh. <laughs> that's not so good. You know, Paul just had that dream for the man in Macedonia. He just had a dream. It wasn't even a, a vision. He, he just perceived from the dream that that's where we should go. And all kinds of opposition hit them when he went over there. And the Philippi and all the differences. Every place he went, oh, it was just tough. It was hard. All he had to fall back on was a dream. I'm sure Silas might have gotten up there and said, what was that dream you had? Are you sure that was God telling us to go over here? Because it was not easy. They had a really rough time. So you thank God that you don't have to have that coming in. Still small voice is just fine. I told you this story once before, but a hospital visitor saw a nurse tending to the sores of a leprosy patient and said, I'd never do that for a million dollars. And the nurse said, neither would I. But I'd do it for Jesus for nothing. <laughs> I'd do it for Jesus for nothing. We have to get into that mentality that I will continue to serve God I will do what He has put before me day in and day out until the day that I die and the day that He tells me to do something different. I will keep doing it. I will keep going. And if He never pats me on the back, if no one else ever pats me on the back, it's just fine. I will be faithful. I will remain faithful because I am a faithful person. I am a faithful person. I am not trying to be faithful. I am a faithful person. And just like we have some confessions over ourselves for other things, sometimes we need to look ourselves in the mirror and say, you are a faithful person. You're not trying to be a faithful person. You're not attaining to the level of being faithful. You are a faithful person. I will be faithful today, and I will be faithful tomorrow. And I will be faithful the day after that. Disciples were looking at increase our faith. And Jesus says, be faithful. Be faithful. My wife and I were listening to a Keith Moore going over a, a story just this week. We were listening to one of his um, messages he had out there. And he was telling the Lord, he's getting ready to go into healing school. And he said, Lord, I need greater anointing. And the Lord said to him, be faithful. And he said, well, that's great, Lord. <laughs> I understand that. I'll go study that out sometime. But I need more anointing. What about that more anointing? And the Lord just said to him, be faithful. And it took him a little while to put it all together. Then he realized I have to be faithful with the anointing I have before God ever needs to give me any, anything more. I need to be faithful with what I'm doing before God ever needs to give me any more. I need to be faithful with what He has put under my care for God to give anything more to me. I need to be faithful with the talents and the abilities that God has given me. I need to be faithful with the love God has put on the inside of me. Faithful with the faith, the knowledge, the wisdom, all the things that God has given me. Faithful with what I have. Stop always out there looking, well, if I only had more. If I only had this. We aren't looking to be faithful with the money we have. We're looking to be faithful with the winning the lottery. With a job that pays us twice as much money as we're pay getting paid right now. Oh, God, I'll be faithful with that. God says, be faithful with what you got. What do you have in your hand right now? What do you have? Be faithful with that. And every day, 
Father God, you gave me this. I'm going to be faithful with it. Every day I'm going to be faithful with it. We are faithful people. He's called us to be faithful. And I'm up to the call. I'm up to the challenge. I am faithful with whatever is before me to do. I am faithful. Father, we thank you for the things that you've given us, the things you have put into our hands. You have put talents and abilities. You have put opportunities in front of us. And we need to be faithful with them. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to see the opportunities, to see the things that are there. Too often we want to look at how other people are not doing this and other people are not giving me that and other people are not doing this for me. Therefore, I can't and I could do this if this would happen. But oh, but we need to get our eyes off of that. And if our only job is to go out into the field every day and come in and make dinner, that's what we'll do. Not looking for a thank you, not looking for a pat in the back. Just say, thank you, Father. I appreciate having this opportunity to serve. I appreciate having this field to plow and this field to bring a harvest in. The opportunity to come in every night and make dinner for the Master. I look forward to it. I'll be faithful with what you put in my hand. Every single day, I will be faithful. I will not look at how other people have stood in the way or other people are in my way, for no one can get in the way of what you want me to do. But I will be faithful to do what you have put before me. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.